I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh. Check it out now. Uh. No doubt now. Uh. Yeah. Thursday Check afternoon. August 24th, 2023, it's the Beating the Book Podcast, Gil Alexander, U.S. Open Tennis Preview. Love it. Last slam of the year, hardcore slam. And what has been, for me, admittedly, tremendous CLV, not a damn winner kind of season. That is just how it's been. Um, hopefully, that turns here. It's been turned a little bit the last week here, but hopefully for the U.S. Open, it turns. And as always, to help us with a tennis slam it's our buddy who is the co-host of not just the Deep Dive podcast, which he does with Andy Molitor, but also NBC Sports Bet the Edge pod. It's Drew Ditzik, everybody. Whale underscore Capper on Twitter. How you doing, Drew? I'm tremendous, Gil. Uh, always a fun day when we get to see a slam draw. Yes, it um, is. There's only four of them a year. What <laughs> only today? Only four a year. <laughs> this is the one where we're like, oh, wait a minute. It's after the, the morning show, so we kind of have to figure out when to put it out the podcast unlike the french where sometimes we're doing it while it's happening and uh, i guess we should start by say first of all you for those who who aren't watching this because we only put out a clip but you are outdoors doing this you're saying in central california so you look great out there thanks for doing this appreciate it um here are the two headlines you tell me if i'm wrong boy is this greased nicely for Djokovic on the men's side and man is Iga in trouble on the women's side Agree sincerely with the first point, and I think you could have actually made that even stronger. Yes. Um, <laughs> and right. uh, second point, I disagree. Oh, actually. really? Um, really? I like to hear and that. So this is a little bit of a maybe seems mentally contradictory, and maybe I've just been in the sun too long this summer. That's possible. Also possible. <laughs> but uh, I think I was most nervous about running into Coco Goff. And at face value, she's in your quarter, but uh, she has got a very, very tough path to get to the quarterfinal. Whereas Iga, oh, I feel like I get, gets a buy. I see what you right? did there. You, I see um, what you did. Okay, okay. I mean, do you look at the you look at the bottom of the section? Like, like Q one is stacked. It yes, is stacked. That's that's true. But they're all on the bottom, which is Coco's portion. No, that is a good point. That is a good point. Let me let me tell you why I, I didn't have it that nuanced. Because we, have you tried looking at these draws on both the ATP and the WTA sites when they first come out? Yeah, disaster. Disaster. 
So like, for, first of all, I texted you when I, I looked at the, I looked at the men's side first and I'm like, wait a minute, how can there be all these amazing matches in the first half? And I'm like, oh, first round. I'm like, oh, okay. That's wrong. Uh, what's that especially, you know, what's especially funny, man, the U S open does, uh, they do the least amount of fanfare with the draw, which is a mistake. It is a mistake. Like yes. they should, they should make this an event, you know, get, get there's fa- you know, you know where there's famous people hanging out that love tennis, New York, New York, you know, they, totally. they would love to come and participate in a U.S. open draw and make, you know, the fanfare, the fanfare involved with the French open and Wimbledon, especially is awesome. New York needs to embrace that. Instead, they just, you know, bang, uh, the computer spit this out. Well, if the computer's spitting it out, you shouldn't have a problem getting the right physical, you know, like the PDF draws that's, on the website. That's but right. They, that's exactly they right. So, so you're right. I'm looking at Q1, which again, like just, just like you said it, the reason I said it the way I said it was because yes, if you look at Q1 as a whole, it's about seven, well, let's call it six really good players deep, but Iga's side of Q1 has an out of form Kudermatova. And I guess, yeah. and I guess Petra Kvitova would be the main, the main challenger on her side, but the other I, side has golf, Ostapenko, Collins, and Andreva. I think Kvitova's on the, uh, on the other side too, but, but, but just like, I, I think she would be the fourth round opponent for, I'm going off memory. I think she'd be the fourth round opponent for golf. Golf, golf has something insane. Like, okay, this website, and, the yeah, WTA and, website can go to hell. <laughs> it can go to hell. Yeah. Cause it's ridiculous. The, that, if that's true. I, basically go Coco drawing Andriva round two, I think is trouble. Yes. Um, and, and, and like, I'm not an idiot. Andriva has a lot to prove. Uh, thinking that she's all of a sudden a top 20 player when she's just, you know, had a couple of breakout performances this season is maybe ask, you know, asking a lot of her. Yeah. Um, but, but, but the facts are, she just hasn't played as much tennis this season, this season, particularly recently as Coco has. Um, so she's a fresher opponent and she's very dangerous. I know Coco ousted her, uh, at the French open and that was an interesting single game, you know, single match market to watch because I feel like, um, Andriva opened up like plus 120 and got bet to almost favorite or maybe even close favorite there. Um, but, and Coco ultimately got the better over cause she's just a very you know, more experienced player. Um, but this tables have turned a little bit. She's coming in off of a huge title. Um, she's played a lot of, a lot of tennis in the last month and a half. And, uh, Andriva, I think is a very live or uh, an early upset for Coco. Yeah. If Coco does. Yeah. yeah if no. she gets through there, her round three opponent is nasty. Around four opponent, uh, I, I think is is uh, is a tough test. Whereas I I I look at I think it's like Ostapenko and Kudermatova are sort of the other ranked players in and around Iga's section. And honestly, if either one of them even gets to play Iga in round four, I'll be surprised. I, I really look at that top half as Iga basically got a bite of round bite a week two, maybe even a bite of the quarterfinal, and uh, she could face Goff or Goff could get ousted early. But either way. I feel like Iga was most at risk in this tournament if she ran into Coco at the semifinal stage or at the final stage and Coco had a just a little bit easier path. And instead, she gets her at the quarterfinal stage and Coco's got just an absolute gauntlet. death march to get there. Yeah, gauntlet, gauntlet to get there. So I, 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 after digesting a little bit, I feel like this is now kind of Iga's to lose. And I know her second serve issues are real. I know that you know she won last year pretty ugly. Um, Can but, we talk uh, about Iga for a I, second? Yeah. Let's talk yeah. about Iga for a second. Sure. Iga, Iga Sviatek, who has won four Grand Slams, uh, just turned 22 years old. She has won, I want to say, 15 tournaments. Don't hold me to that, but it's it's right around there. 
Um, so she's like in, you know, the, the on-pace Serena schedule of things. However, the difference is this. And no one loves Iga more than I do. But she's very, J-Rod and I on Twitter talk about this a lot. She's really odd when it comes to certain tournaments and her being satisfied with the level she gets to in those tournaments. Does this make sense? So there's certain tournaments where she's yeah. like, well, I've never been to the semis before. I got to the semis, so that was good enough for me. Mission accomplished. Yeah. And it's a little, it's an odd little quirk with her. Now, obviously, it doesn't, doesn't matter at the French. Uh, she already won a U.S. Open. Um, she's won tons of thousands, right? Some Masters tournaments. So she's, it's not like when you look at it cumulatively, there's anything to complain about. But there are some odd performances as a result of that kind of mindset. And she's the one with the, you know, with the psychologist, with the sports psychologist who's on, you know, first person to do that, as I recall, maybe the second. Um, so I don't know. It's just a weird little quirk. She still look, look for those who are, are newish to tennis and are listening to this. When you look at raw hardcore numbers, Iga's number one, period, across the board. Coco and Vondrasova is who I have, two and three, believe it or not, followed by the Sabalenkas and the Pagulas of the world. I don't know where you have them stacked, but that's kind of where it stacks up right now. But Iga's, Iga's the best, but I'm curious if you've noticed that sort of behavior and, and sort of wondered about it. Yeah, no, I, I have noticed it, and I think it's somewhat relatively straightforward to explain, which is she's peerless. So she has to measure success by personally beating her past performance, right? Um, she just needs to show progress within some way of me you know, measuring it against, well, what did I do here last year? Right? I, that, that's my guess. Um, because again, like that, there's no one else in her generation who's performed even close to what she's done to this point. Um, and, you know, the, she's kind of in a, she's in a, she, I mean, you know, Coco Goff, I guess, would be sort of the other kind of, young upcoming player she's got three years on coco yeah she does. like in just in raw age and that's and a so big three it, years too it's a big three yeah, yeah no question and um and so you know i think you know it's, it's just tough for her to say like you know hey I, you know she's been world number one forever but, you know like you got to find a way to motivate yourself you got to find a way to kind of self-evaluate and measure success and i think that's the way she does it um uh, she's a weird <laughs> she's a weird athlete in a lot of ways but um, I think her uniqueness also affords her a little bit of uh, a mental edge against a lot of the other women on tour. And, um, you know, I think there are pretty, sorry about that. No problem. Sorry about Drew, that. Drew, Drew, sorry about Drew that. Drew has a phone call through Skype issue that we're working through. That's okay. Yeah. Don't know how to, don't know how to shut this off. Sorry guys. That's all right. Um, but yeah, I, I uh, I get the sense that um, there are parts of her game that she, you know, desperately needs to really sharpen and improve. And if she tightens up like her second serve and in general tightens up some of her, um, you know, decisions about aggressiveness and managing aggressiveness throughout a match, um, you know, then she'd be unstoppable. And I think she ultimately will get there. I but, think um, ultimately she will no question get there. I, I'm super. Yeah. By the yeah. Way, side, and I think, side note, this has nothing to do with anything. But when you said ultimately she will get there. You know what I just read this uh, this week? This has nothing to do with anything, everybody. So I apologize. Todd Wishnet, my buddy, sent me in the mail about three months ago. He's like, dude, have you read Agassiz's autobiography? And I'm like, no. He goes, you'll love it. I go, oh, okay. <laughs> Should I get it? He's like, I'm going to send it to you. That's how much I think you'll love it. Have you ever read his auto autobiography? It is no. spectacular. It was written in like 2007. No, don't hold me to that. But some, It was like about 15 years ago. And he, he, the, here's the spoiler alert of the whole thing, but I would recommend everybody go read this because it is such a fascinating book. The headline is 
he hated tennis, hated it. <laughs> right. So like he struggled his whole career with this, you know, cause his dad was the taskmaster. He became, you know, this great player. He always hated it for all the things. And yet in the end, he became the number one player in the world. And he won eight slams. Right. So it was like this whole thing where it's back and forth. So not at all comparing that to, to Iga in any way, but it is the mental side of this is so fascinating. Right. And so yeah. for someone like her, you, I mean, you say, great, you're making me feel even better about Iga when you're like, she's peerless. So she's like inventing goals. It's fascinating. Yeah. It's yeah. fascinating. And I mean, good for her for doing it because, um, you know, that we are not that far removed from another peerless athlete in Naomi Osaka, who mm. lost, you know, went off the reservation. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, she never recaptured it. And I don't know if she will ever return to tennis. It's, it's kind of a mystery. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, I think that, you know, her vacating kind of the next great hardcore player has certainly been a huge, you know, bump and, you know, well, kind of uh, Ash Barty, really allowed it. Ash Barty, Ash Barty too. To, same, same. Yeah. The yeah, path I mean, was like, cleared. Yeah. Yep. The path is cleared for her. So it's, it's pretty, uh, pretty huge. And I mean, you know, half I had to make, uh, you know, I, I, maybe I'll save it for the end, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think Ego probably uh, takes this one and, uh, this Ooh. is number five. This, if yeah. she takes this one and I, you know, I'm not betting on anyone else to take it. I have a quarter bet, which I, I just hinted at, but I, uh, Ego is, ah, you like the same bets I like. I think we didn't even prep. We didn't even preview this. We did so not. Preview this is good. Oh, shall I no, just say what I like? I like Vondrasova in. Yeah. Uh, I love Marketa Vondrasova. Who? Let me just say this, and you were great because I said I said to you after the Wimbledon pot, after Wimbledon completed, I like Vondrasova. By the way, plus four fifty at DraftKings in Q three. That is Jesse Pagula's quote unquote quarter, if you will. But I like Vondrasova plus four fifty. I said to you after the Wimbledon. Uh, pod or after Wimbledon completed and Vondrasova ends up winning Wimbledon to win her first major. I was like, Drew, you and I didn't even mention her once. Yeah. And your response, I think, was appropriate, which is, can you blame us? Right? Yeah, like, why would you? Why would we? <laughs> yeah. Have? Yeah. Why would we? Have? She, she had played like two grass patches in her life coming into the season. So I, even considering her would have been yeah. a malpractice. <laughs> yeah. Some people, I'm sure, saw enough quality in week one to get on board at pretty absurd prices for her. Um, and you know, I think she showed a constitution, which matters for slam tennis, right? Uh, mm -hmm. she got, uh, you know, she, she did not, uh, she did not lose her cool when she was being outplayed by Svitolina. She just, uh, steady eddied her way through that match. Um, you know, she had some moments where it looked like Ons was kind of keeping it, you know, putting it together in the final. Oh, she we, we just, got, we got to talk of, about she, Ons too. Yeah. She put her head down, you know, it was Vondra Sova. She put her head down and she, you yeah. know, she just powered, powered through it. And I think, um, you know, I would typically look at a, a player like her who is coming off of what's a seemingly one of type of slam last time out, not really having a, a huge, impressive run of form to back it up on hard court. And I would say, well, you know, she's got the, she's got the career accomplishment. She's in exhale mode and this is, this doesn't mean much to her. And, you know, we can probably rule her out off the bat. Um, but she got a great draw and, uh, she doesn't seem to necessarily be built that way. At least just her, her mentality that she showed in Wimbledon specifically has me thinking this. Um, and I, I tend to agree with you. I think, uh, you know, we're, we're way ahead of the card before the horse here, but yeah, my final prediction would be ego over Vondrusova. Oh, in the finals. Yeah. yeah. Um, like I said before, I only Sviatek and golf have better hard court numbers talking about 
um, well, Sviatek, year, six months, one month, however you want to slice it up. Golf, obviously, we have to include the short of short term because she has been in a short term basis the best. But Vondrasova, just, you know, 12 months, six months, one month kind of thing, like just consistently across the board, 107.5, talking about uh, serve and return percentages, 109.7 on a six month, 106. So, I mean, it's tremendous. So, I, I definitely have her winning that quarter. You've got her in the finals against Ega. I would love to see that final. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. The Nikki Glazer Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glazer Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glazer Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glazer Podcast to start listening. Uh, so you think Vondrasova in the finals, I have her winning the quarter, which means you do too. What bet do you have here, sir, that you'd like to share? So, well, definitely, um, you know, I think kind of breaking down the rest of the quarters, Q2 is the one that I think you're looking for an absurd price on. Um, count me among the people who are sincerely concerned about the health and fitness of Elena Robacana. Yes. Um, again, kind of going back to the, uh, the U S open draw, um, criticism, uh, they picked, I think the worst photograph of her I've ever seen, uh, to put on <laughs> like the, the, on the social media that they did, you know how they did Ega's quarter, yeah. Pagula's quarter, right? right? Like, well, Elena's quarter, like they literally like found some absolutely beleaguered photo of her from Cincinnati or or, or <laughs> Canada or horrible. something. And it's just like, yeah. oh no, like right. wow, geez, like is she gonna be okay? <laughs> like, what's going on here? Um, but no, I think it's 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 generally fair to wonder if she's gonna be able to hold up in the heat and humidity. Um, and it's generally fair to, you know, think that you know, she needs like a good amount of time to fully regroup from the illness that she came, that came down, that she forced her to withdraw from Roland Garros. And, Mm -hmm. um, I still think that she's probably, you know, a top three player going forward. I think, you know, kind of looking at the, um, you know, the current one, two, three, in terms of, uh, you know, the, the year end race with, um, Sabalenka, Iga and Rabakina, like, yeah, those are your three neutrally best players if they're all in form. Uh, but right now I don't think you can put her in that category, which means she's, she, you know, she's a risk of retirement. She's a risk of withdrawing. She's a risk of getting upset, um, which opens, I think opens the door for Q2 to anyone, because I certainly don't have any, any, um, strong confidence that Zachary is going to do anything in this tournament. Yeah. Um, I have, and, no, uh, bet. I have no bet currently in Q2, nothing. Yeah. Same way. And yeah. <laughs> I think the answer really is wait to see where the qualifiers land and see if we can get like a hundred to one on somebody. Um, but, uh, <laughs> I think, maybe so. you know, because that, if there's a, if there's a totally ridiculous surprise, it's going to come from there. The, um, 
Q3, I'm trying, to, I'm we, trying to look through it and see like who would I ridiculous who would I be shocked by? I mean everybody, right? Lin Ju's playing well, but I'm not betting on her fifty to one. No. Uh, what no. about a Sloane Stevens who who obviously won this tournament, but she's fourteen to one. It's not like she's super long. That's not a big enough price, right? Yeah. That's not a ridiculous price. Really, like the whole second tier, which is usually where you shop when you kind of feel like the you know the favorite is vulnerable. Um, no one in that that tier really inspires me. Um, so Q2 is going to be a wild card, I think. I agree. Um, not, not a technically a wild card, but you know what I mean? Like a, yes. a, a, a shocker. Totally. Agree. Um, which again, kind of helps the case for Iga. <laughs> like right. if she's taken on a beaten up Coco in the quarters and then gets a, a wild card in the semis and, you know, is, is, is fresher for the finals than whoever comes out of the bottom. That's huge. Um, if I Q3 said, to you, if it, I said yeah. to you right now, though, you must pick yeah. a, you must pick a winner. You don't have to bet on this, but you must pick a winner right now for Q2. The person you would say real quick would be, uh, I'll say it with you. Last name. Three, two, one. I, Mukova. <laughs> yeah with that, i mean it's it's mukova yeah but the uh, she played so much tennis in cincinnati so, too like, i you, really did you think that since did you get the feeling that the players were over that tournament this year no nah, didn't get that read um i my takeaways were more like um why are they taking this so seriously? <laughs> right? Like why was Djokovic uh why was Djokovic Alcaraz the, the most fight to the death? Yeah. Yeah. Why was that the most uh hotly contested best of three match we've seen in ten years? In 10 <laughs> like years. like I, that was that was so, so intense. It was unbelievable. And, I said out loud, I'm like, can you imagine that like southern ohio like the they ended up with this match <laughs> yeah no no disrespect yeah. to southern ohio but it's not it's not new york city you know what i mean like i was like wow yeah. this is bizarro and it was amazing <laughs> it was amazing that was the best masters final that i can remember um i'm the, sure there's one i'm sure yeah. there's one from years ago that i'm forgetting there's I, probably a given a the pl- given the players though i mean you're right what was the call i forgot his name the 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 uh is he Australian or South African? I think it was like a shot making of the gods, he said in the middle yes, of the match. Yes, yes. Was was, just... was, that's very, very correct. Yeah. Yes. He, yeah. Could, he couldn't believe Koenig? what he was watching. He, maybe it, it was him. Yeah. But uh, yeah, that was that that match was incredible. I was kind of like, man, why they, uh, these, these guys don't really, they're, they're not really, they're not just going to point for the US Open. They're really going to leave it all out here. Okay, let them let go. I'm enjoying <laughs> it. Um, same thing with the Iga Coco match. Um, Iga you know, that felt like that, that felt like it had consequence and weight. Um, again, like I'm more nervous about the, you know, the Iga's potential at the, you know, at, at, in Flushing Meadows, if, she, you know, if Coco's coming from another part of the draw, that's not as challenging, um, because, you know, snapping a, a, a lifetime seven zero streak where you are not competitive in not, all seven, not competitive, um, yeah. you know, that's a big mental hurdle to clear. And I think, you know, whatever work Coco's doing with Brad Garrett, you know, Brad Gilbert, uh, and, uh, whatever, just a general, you know, kind of focus and pressure she's brought to this swing, considering how poorly her season started. Like I'm happy for her. I really wanted, you know, her to take this step forward. And I was kind of like a little nervous and distressed about the quality we were seeing from her in, uh, you know, in the fall, in the uh, winter and spring and, you know, even into the summer. So I'm glad she's, she's here, but I think that she got absolutely the, she was the cold water. She got the cold water for me with this draw. Cause I would have said, you know, 24 hours ago, I'd have been like, she should be your absolute, no doubt, second choice yep. for this, for this title. And now I think like if she gets to the semifinals, she's got to feel really, really 
positive about that. Um, and if she gets there, I think she's going to be on fumes. Now that that said, you know, again, we're talking about a Q2 opponent who might be, you know, like the Magdalenette of the Australian Open kind of setup, you know, like uh, like just a, a truly happy to be here type of player. Um, and that might be, you know, what she needs to ultimately get this title. So I'm not ruling it out, but, uh, but boy, oh boy, I feel like she, you know, her, her probability and her odds and her prices all of a sudden are upside down considering how tough that path is. Um, Q3, we talked a little bit about Pagula's quarter. Um, <laughs> I love that. From the, we'll just throw that in for everyone. The next one is so, Sabalenka's quarter. Sabalenka's quarter. And th- that is Sabalenka's quarter. It is. I, yeah. I think, yeah. I think, and I'll, I'll save my favorite bet uh, for just a minute here, but, um, the ghoul's quarter stuff too. She does not have an easy path out of there at all. Um, Vondra I think Sola, that one, Samsonova keys, Fernandez, yeah. Andrescu, a lot of past chance in there. A lot of really, finalists. yeah. A lot of, a lot of really, you know, players with success at this venue yeah. players with who are playing well now, like there's a lot of, uh, uh, there's a lot of trouble for Pagula in there. Um, my guess is that quarter comes down to Von Drusova versus, um, Samsonova, but, yeah. um, I, I'm not sure if you follow some of the offshore prices, but Samsonova has drifted aggressively in a couple offshore markets. So mm. it's almost, I feel like someone almost knows that something's not right with her physically. I have not heard this, but, um, I'm getting this weird pattern of when my price is very off market on Samsonova, I am just getting railroaded both ways. Like I'm like, you know, with like the the Rabakna Samsonova match in um, Canada, I was like, "Why is this not minus two fifty Rabakna? What is going on here?" She went off as like a small favorite there. I, oh, I, 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 I could I could not I could not like square that price even remotely. And I of course, Samsonova that. comes back from one six and wins. That I think I had Samsonova that day. I I had her in the yeah. match. Yeah, that was the one. Yep, she's been playing well. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I think she can get out of her section, but I don't think she beats Von Drusova. Um, and I worry a bit about her physically. And again, the drifting of her prices got me spooked like someone knows she's not physically well. Um, she's always a question mark about winning seven matches. So I can't oh, in good conscience say play whatever, you know, some of the big prices a, on there. Drew, she's always a question mark when she has seven match points, let alone winning seven matches. Well, <laughs> yeah. Was that last year against Tom do, do you remember that? I was on a plane for that. And I had, I, was in, I had her in that match, and I could not uh, believe what I was watching. I was in Hawaii, and I almost threw my phone over the balcony. Me too. Me <laughs> I, was too. Like, I was like, what is, what, what is happening? By the way, speaking of that, um, this has nothing to do with anything, but speaking of that, I had, I, I texted you, I don't know if I texted you on this. I had Mark Andrea Wessler, I believe that's the name I was, I don't know how you pronounce it. I had him against Shevchenko last, on Sunday, the day of the Alcaraz-Djokovic match in Winston-Salem. They played a few matches the first day. And I... I got him at plus 200. He was plus 115 by match time, which is maybe the sickest CLV I've ever gotten in my life on anything. He's up for love in the final set, and Shevchenko quits. Oh, this is, be- yeah. So th- that was, you talk about like the Samsonova throwing the phone. That was about as close to pure abject frustration as I've ever gotten on any of this stuff. I'm like, even say, when you're yeah. good, you're, you can't win sometimes. Some, sometimes that's the harbinger of really good things are coming. Up, I hope right? so. If you're, if you're, if you're, if you're, cause like if you're reading the matches, right. But the people looking at your accounts are like, well, he's, he sucks. Not, you know, yeah. He, yeah. Yeah. This guy's bleeding. Like yeah. give him what he wants. <laughs> like, yeah. like sometimes that's the, that's the sign that it's about to go hot. So I'll, I'll so. give you that uh, as a lifeline there. But um, yeah, no, Samsonova Vondrusova to me, I think is, is how 
uh, Q3 shakes out. I like Von Drusova in that match. And I really like, if you can crack Q3, I think you've got a finalist and I think you got a finalist price. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Does Lila um, Fernandez interest you at all in any form? No. I mean, she's done it before. She's done it before. <laughs> by the way, I, Emma's, I Emma's not in know. this? Emma Raducanu is not a part of the draw? Or is she? I don't believe so. I don't believe I, I she don't is. Know, yeah, I don't believe yeah, I think she she's still recovering from wrist surgery. Yeah. Uh, don't quote me on that, though. Yeah. Um, the um, maybe back surgery. I can't remember. But uh, she'll be back next year, probably. The um, the Q4, uh, for me, at least, this is, I'm not exactly sure why Sabalink is plus 120-ish. I feel my, my, my numbers say she should be over 50% there. Um, and it's because Q4 is weak. Uh, and yes, I'm including Jan Strubor in that commentary. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, I think my favorite way to play the women's draw is a stage of elimination. Rena Sabalenka semifinals. Wow. Um, What's the number? It's going to be big. It hasn't popped yet, but it's going to be like yeah. plus 250 ish would be my guess because she's got to win her quarter and then lose that, that match in the uh, semis. And I, I'm, Count me among the people that believes that this is an actual thing with her right now, that, uh, you know, she cannot get past whatever mental demons exist regarding the semifinal experience. Um, the even, one even semifinal she, she hurdled was Magdalenette. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, if that was a tougher, if that was not Magdalenette in that moment, was, is she, is she the Australian Open champion? I don't know. I don't know. Um, I, I, all I know is that, uh, you know, I don't know that you can really hold, Wimbledon against her because Hans like raised her level pretty impressively in that match to oust her. Um, yeah, we got to talk some about of the Ons. other. We got to talk about Hans. Yes, Is we she... we yeah for, yeah for sure go there. We'll go there right yeah. next. But uh, yeah. yeah, I mean some of the some of the semifinal losses. The Mukova French Open is was the worst. Um, you know, some of these semifinal losses are oh, she's wearing it. You the, know, the Mukova one was out of control. Like she it was. was. It was. That was her match. Yeah, I don't. I, I can't recall seeing a more aggressive meltdown. Yeah, that was brutal. The Anjabur thing is very, is very simple. Which is, you you had her at Wimbledon last year. She gets all the way to the finals. She loses to Rubakina. You had thirty three to one. It was a great bet. Um, Anjabur has gotten to three Slam finals, I believe. Three, yeah, three. Yeah, two Wimbies in the U.S. Open last year. Yeah, she's lost them all. At Wimbledon, like you said, she had a couple matches there. Was it Sabalenka and Rabakina, where she was unbelievable coming from behind? Three, the way. yeah, 
three in a row. She uh, she nuked Kvitova yeah. as a dog. Um, she came back on Rabakana. She came back on right. Sabalenka. The comebacks were and, um, yep. The comebacks were highest level that we saw. I've actually the comebacks that was the highest level I've ever seen her play tennis. Actually, yeah, um, she and, was playing better than she played in last year's Wimbledon run. And the flip um, side of that then is then she gets to the final and she gets just it wasn't that she just got beat. It wasn't very difficult to tell. It, it just felt like it was too much. The nerves were just it just wasn't. She wasn't never going to win. I mean, not taking yeah. anything away from from Vondrasova, but. It just, it, yeah. I just wonder, and I agree with you about this Sabalenka quarter, which is, it's Jabor, it's Zhang Wen, it's Barbara Kurjikova. I guess Daria Kasatina is probably the, the, the next best option there. Sabalenka is like 60 60 yeah. against her. Yeah. And my, my, my numbers. It's, she's just the wrong matchup for her. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, you know, Kasatina, love her, love, love watching her play, Me love too. seeing her construct points, love, like seeing her, tri- you know, unravel really good serve, but for, but, Sabalenka is exactly the wrong person to try to get through. Um, so yeah, I, I think Sabalenka comes through the quarter pretty cleanly. I like plus one twenty there, um, and then uh, yeah, I'll be against her in the semifinals until she proves otherwise. Unless it's literally against uh, somebody that she uh, has no business losing to. I mean, some of, some of these losses in the semis for Sabalenka have come at the hands of like competent players, like Eager Beater last year in the semis, and that was that was not fluky. Like, you know, Ego was the better player ultimately, but, um, you know, that was a super even match. Um, so yeah, until she really conquers that demon, I think, uh, you know, I think it's a bet against in the semis. Stage of elimination, semis, when that comes Stage out. Stage of elimination. Drew is yeah. all about it. Sabalenka having yeah. Bonders. Plus two, anything better than, anything better than plus 250 is a bet. Okay. Um, I'm just looking at some of these other before we move on to the men's, which is probably not going to be nearly as fascinating. Oh, well, maybe it will be. Um, I'm looking at just some of the, I'll use DraftKings. What else do they have here? Um, not to win. Iga's minus 330 not to win the tournament. Uh, first time winner, yes, is minus 280. I guess. No is 2 to 1. Yeah. Go I ahead. meant to ask you something before we move off women entirely. Please. Yeah. Do you have a thesis about the uh, the heavy duty ball? Oh, I don't. No. What is yours? I don't, I, I'm struggling here. Yeah. Um. It, uh, if you don't already know, last year they used this, the regular duty balls, um, and a bunch of the women complained because they used the heavy duty balls for the men. Um, my guess is that the heavy duty balls just, they don't pop as much fuzz, right? So they, they, it's, it's a little bit, um, it's a little tougher to, it's tougher to hit through a ball when it's, when it's like, you know, coming apart. Um, so it should, in my opinion, handle the more powerful players uh if they're using the heavy duty ball which should, should should gut, ben, should benefit the heavy should ball. benefit yeah, them. yeah. Mm-hmm, if, you, if yeah if you're yeah. trying to hit through it should help you yeah. so uh, should benefit a player like sabalenka um Iga. should benefit a player like Iga. uh for Bakuna, if she's got it pagula if she's got it like it could shock out if that matters i thought you know i feel in, in the category of ball complaints i thought last year's sort of the sunshine double was it was it indian wells in miami where they used the smaller balls do you remember that episode yeah 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 that was a I, that i agreed with like that i'm like what, why are we doing that <laughs> i did i mean Ega was she hated that um but yeah no i'd agree with you i think if anything it would benefit but i don't know like how much i put in that when yeah i think 
I think take a player like Sabalenka, look at some of her early round winner to unforced error ratios last year, compare them to what she looks like in the first couple rounds this year, and maybe draw some conclusions. Um, but I don't have a, a very strong thesis on that. I just it's a point of a point of note that things that that is different this year. Uh, one last player. I just want to just for thoroughness' sake, Sloan Stevens in 2018 beat Maddie Keys in Q3. That's Vondrasova. We, we both like Vondrasova there. We didn't talk beforehand. Do you put any stock in Maddie Keys having a run? She could. Yeah. yeah. Surely. Yeah. If she's right physically, um, she could. I uh, I don't really get what's going on with her. We saw some highs from her at Wimbledon that were a total surprise to me. Um, and then we've seen some lows since. So it's tough. Uh, tough to really kind of pinpoint what's going on with her physically. But um, yeah, I'm not really uh, not really super excited about any of the, uh, the U.S. women where they landed in the draw this year. DraftKings has a prop. Sviatek, Sabalenka, and Pagula versus the field. Minus 140. The field is plus 100. What's your instinct on that without having to uh, crunch the numbers? I would just put that in the ego bucket only. Yep. That's my reaction too. All right. I mean, Pagula, we didn't really give her a ton of fair we shake didn't. here, but like yeah. she won, she won Toronto. She won Montreal. I've heard a lot of people saying that conditions, ball, blah, blah, blah. This is Montreal is a very, very fair analog for what to expect here in terms of conditions. She beat Ega at Montreal. Um, and she won the title on the double header for Samsonova, right? Yes. She had to play yes. twice in one day. Yes. By, by the way, I, I, a yeah. lot of people get upset about that, but like the way I understand it, these tournaments, in order to extend it a day, it costs them so much money. So they can't when like weather in, is involved. So essentially, Pagula got to play a tired player later in the day. Yeah. But, but I, I love her. It was, a, it was effectively a title Pia Walker. Yeah. I mean, for all exactly. practical purposes. I mean, I love her and everything. I've, I've bet on her many, many, many times over the years to to good success, but I don't, I don't see it here. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right, men's side. Yeah. Uh, we started out by saying we, we this one you did agree to, which is, oh boy, Djokovic is in Q four. He's got, you know, an out of four Moje Aliasim. Taylor Fritz is in there. And then Tsitsipas plays Milos Raonic in the first round, which maybe for first-round matches might be the greatest of them all because you never know with Raonic. There's always a puncher's chance in what is his last tournament. By the way, John Isner and Raonic, last tournament, correct? Isner for sure. Yeah. I don't know about Raonic. I think it is. Probably. 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 Um, yeah. Key Nishikori last tournament? Key Nishikori, you said? What was that? Does you think this might be his last oh, tournament? Too? I mean, he hasn't. The he, he, thing is... He hasn't played in so long for so many, at least a year now, right? Where he's just gotten he's, back on he's tour. He's been on weird lower level yeah. stuff, yeah. I kind of feel like there's a bunch of guys who are kind of making the last run out this time. Yeah. How about if you're John Isner, right? Or Routich, any of these guys. And you're like, you were a spectacular tennis player. It's like Tommy Hearns, right? Had the misfortune of being born when Marvin Hagler and Sugar Ray Leonard were born. <laughs> like So they, they just, sorry, John Isner, you probably would have won a lot of tournaments, but and maybe a slam, who knows? But you were born at the same time Djokovic and Nadal and Federer. I'm sorry. He he did win a lot of tournaments. They were just yeah. all in Atlanta. All in Atlanta. <laughs> and they're all in the two fifty. That's right. All two fifties. And his serve is not quite what it used to be. So anyway, I just mentioned everybody of note in Djokovic's quarter. Like this is a free pass to the semis. It's a free pass. And actually yeah. it's a free pass to the final. Because okay. there are There are four men in this draw 
who have better than a 5% chance of beating Djokovic, and they're all on the top. Alcaraz, Medvedev, Sinner, and Dimonor. I would go Zverev. Zverev. I was going to say Zverev, fourth. and then yeah. I got Zverev is the fourth. Yeah. Okay. Um, and the Zverev, I'm only giving it to him because what we saw two years ago in that semifinal. Yeah. So let's start. At the top. So, so, Al- yeah. so all four are on the top. So he's only going to have to play one of them. Alcaraz, Zverev, and Sinner are all in Q1. By the way, there's other like Dimitrov, Thompson, Evans, Greeks. I mean, there's some players who've, who had a good hard court season, but Alcaraz, Zverev, and Sinner all in Q1. Q2, for my money, is the most competitive. Medvedev, Dimonor, Orkats, Berrettini, Monfi, Rublev, Hachinov. It's pretty good. Yeah, fun one. And then Q3, you're, you're probably right. I mean, Kasper Ruud, he's not beating Djokovic. Uh, Tiafo, puncher's chance, but, you know, not really his best this year. Davidovich Rakina, always tough. Holger Rune, he doesn't have the best hardcore numbers, by the way. Korda, and then... My, well, uh, shall I give a couple quarter picks? I got Tommy Paul 7-1 to in Q3. And in- I mean, the numbers would tell you he's clearly a top 10 hard quarter right now, yep. which I feel like defies eye test a little, but the numbers are what they are. <laughs> and, and, and I think Q, I think Dimonor 12-1 to in Q2 is worth a, is worth a bet. It's a okay. tough quarter, but I, I really do, based on numbers, I think those are the best quarter bets on the board. I, I I can't really uh, strongly disagree. Um, the uh, uh, the macro view of the men's draw is if Djokovic doesn't make the final, it's because he's got he got defaulted for hitting a ball hitting girl. A ball, like, a ball girl. <laughs> like that's like that's, right. that's like I think that's his that's the scariest thing that could knock him out of this uh, this you know this tournament before the final. We, we just had greatness walk I, in know. during the podcast, by the way. Jimmy Vaccaro, Hall of Famer, walked All in during right. the podcast. He didn't have much to say about tennis. I just have to point that out. <laughs> Hall of Famer. Hall of Famer. Um, I, so I guess I'm not even really being glib. I don't think anyone on the bottom half of the draw realistically has a chance to beat Djokovic. Yeah. Uh, this includes Sissipas. This includes Rune. And, you know, the Rune part of the story is a tough one for me because I have a bunch of dead Rune tickets. I remember I've basically You've I've graded them way early. I've, in I've graded them in pencil. Yeah. I've graded them in pencil. With else. What month did you um, bet those? You bet them early in the year. Like January. Yeah. <laughs> it was a while ago. Yeah. I, Cause I figured, I figured he was going to have highs and lows and do well in the mass, you know, do well in the masters, but you know, kind of struggle at the slam level, figure out best of five as we went through the season. And, you know, maybe be peaking when everyone else was gassed when we got to the, you know, the U.S. Open. But it did not play out that way. He went deep into the French Open. He mm-hmm. went deep into Wimbledon. He really, really, really um, kind of fired all of his bullets in spring and summer. And he is limping right now. And, you know, when he won Paris last year as his breakout tournament, that was his, it was a Masters. It's worth, it's at the end of the season, so people kind of forget about it. Um, I think Jack Sock won one year or, you know, <laughs> Jack Sock made it one. Yeah, Jack Sock might have won it one year. I feel like uh, Philip Kravinovich went to the finals one year there. Like Paris has some weird results, but uh, the Rune result was special because he beat Djokovic head to head in that final, and it was like, oh my god! Like he's yeah. got that level. That's awesome. Like Djokovic was super informed, and he beat him head to head. And so you have that kind of mental ammunition. You're 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 going to win a slam one day, and. You know, I kind of assumed that 
there would be a summer of back and forth battles between Djokovic and Alcaraz, and those two might be, you know, take enough damage that Rune could sneak a, uh, you know, an early, an earlyish title. Because sometimes the U.S. Open is a, a debutante type of experience. You know, it was, uh, it was for Medvedev, it was for Alcaraz last year, it was for uh, Team finally getting his first title, and you know, like you know, it's, you know, it, there there is a whiff of that, but. The problem is Djokovic just hasn't played very much tennis this year. Right. Like he is way, way, way um, later load to this point in the season than he normally would be. And I think that matters. I think that, you know, because some of his U.S. Open results over the balance of his career are the least impressive of the slams, uh, which doesn't entirely make sense. But, it, you know, it, it, you know, he doesn't do especially well in humidity. He doesn't do especially well in daytime matches in humidity. And, oh, by the way, they play... <laughs> the men's final in the day, he uh, you looks, know, in, in the heat of the day. And he he gets, looks you know, he, like he was going to collapse in that match against Alcaraz in Cincinnati. Yeah, he did. It's not, he doesn't, he does not perform especially well physically in these conditions. So he's got that. He's got to overcome that surely. But, um, you know, just the fact that he hasn't really fired as many bolts this year, I think matters. Um, and, uh, Rune on the other hand is just absolutely on fumes. Now, if Rune like, surprises and makes a run here like i'll be happy for him i mean i would like to see him kind of get to the level of an alcaraz and, and you know give us a real deal rivalry at the slam level for the next generation but um it doesn't i feel like i'm a year early there maybe um and then rude i mean if you have rude Djokovic semifinal, i'd probably lay 500 on Djokovic without really blinking um if we have who and and like the other guys in that yeah tommy paul is absolutely live to come through q3 um tiafo i suppose is the vitovich um, always gives vitovich fakina yeah, sure gives Djokovic sure. trouble a little bit yeah he's 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 a tough guy, tough tough out but i don't believe uh, in you know, so, i don't believe in corda okay okay yeah. i don't i didn't i'm not gonna bet him but yeah. uh you know who, who knows what you're gonna get with him um but the um because his highs are high the um so i think ultimately the you know, the path for Djokovic out of Q4 is very straightforward. The path to the final in that, you know, whoever comes out of Q3 is very straightforward. Um, and the opposite, you know, from, again, from a macro standpoint, I don't think you could have given Alcaraz a worse stretch to get there. So um, it really is bad. It's crazy, crazy tilted in favor of Djokovic in terms of path. Um, Alcaraz's path includes Dan Evans, who won Washington. Mm -hmm. In round three, um, God, don't think he, Dan is live. He was but amazing he's be in tough. Washington. Yeah, he was amazing in Washington. Greek sport. Uh, his yeah, his path includes Scamnori, who beat him in Rio, um, and in just in just in general, can even if Scam does not win that match, he could make it go five hours. Mm -hmm. That's what he does. <laughs> so uh, you know he's going to potentially do a little bit of damage, and then you got to play the winner of potentially Zverev Sinner. Uh, Sinner plays Alcaraz tough. Probably should have beat him last year uh, in the quarterfinal. I think they played. Um, that was effectively the de facto final last year at the U.S. Open. Um, Sinner's tough. Zverev is tough. I've seen enough from Zverev in this run uh, since his French Open semi I that I think he's I think he's as back as he's going to be. I agree. Um, and the best he ever played was his U.S. Open run where he almost beat Djokovic in the semifinals came oh so close uh two years ago um and if that guy shows up he could definitely beat Alcaraz in my opinion I don't know that there's enough of a gap between those players to say 
Alcaraz should be better, bigger than like minus 200 in that match. Um, and, uh, and so it's going to be tough for Alcaraz to get out of Q1. Um, presumably, I guess Medvedev is your favorite in Q2. Um, I don't have a strong read Q2 on what's going on with him. Stacked. Yeah. Medvedev it wouldn't surprise me yeah. early. It wouldn't surprise me whatever happens with him. I could see him winning the court, but that, that court, I'm curious who you like here. Medvedev, uh, the Drapers, Yaris, Purcells of the world, all who have, you know, have, have, can be a little bit frightened. Dimonor or Kotz, Berrettini, who at his best would be trouble. Monfi at his best is trouble. Rublev, eh. Korich, Hatchinov. I mean, that, that quarter is super stacked. Let, let me, uh, the, to buttress your point about Alcaraz, if you had to say the best five hard court players in the world right now, uh, Djokovic, Alcaraz, whichever order you want to put them in, Medvedev, three, Sinner, four, who am I missing in the top five? I think Zverev at current form. Probably. Point being, all yeah. the other four are all up in the top. Yeah, yeah, right. Besides Correct. Djokovic. Correct. Yeah. Correct. And, and Zverev's, I mean, I'm assuming, um, Sinner's only going to have to play, probably, he's only going to have to play one. He may play two of them. Alcaraz may, may play two of them. Um, the, but, you know, Med, Medvedev, uh, when I, usually when you see a quarter, and Medvedev's in there. My initial reaction is, well, who's on the bottom of that quarter? And it's his little brother, Zvera, I mean, yeah, Rublev. Uh, Rublev. Yeah. Like that, that big brother, little brother relationship, I, I don't think is over. Um, so sorry, Rublev, maybe another year. Yeah. Um, he definitely, yeah, he still really needs, he, he can't get over the quarterfinal hump to save his Can, life. Cannot. Um, and I think uh, your point is fair where all of the kind of dark horses all landed in Q2. Uh, you mentioned her catch. He, um, he, I don't, I don't think he should have beaten Alcaraz, but he was there. His, he was his right serve, there. His serve yeah. in that tournament was unbelievable. I mean, about Alcaraz, because this is related to that. Alcaraz has played a lot of tough matches where guys yes. have really pushed him. Now he ends up winning. Yes. Almost all of them, except for the Djokovic one. Yeah. But does that, like, give you a little bit of pause with him? Where you're like, okay, you're not exactly crushing people at this point. No question. Um, but it's not about the not crushing people. It's much more about the you're, you're effectively, electively taking damage. That's what I mean. You're <laughs> like, accumulating. Yeah, right. You're yeah, accumulating tread fatigue. On your what are you doing? Yeah. Yeah. Why? Don't accumulate this fatigue. Um, win these matches in straights. And uh, preserve your best stuff for when it matters most. Like that should be the you know the the the, the mental calculus. Um, and he'll get there. Surely he's young enough that uh, maybe it doesn't matter as much for him as it would for a player who is in their later twenties or thirties. Um, but considering the fact that now two out of the three most high-profile matches he's played this year, he's basically failed physically. I would say that's a something he should have higher you know more more priority <laughs> on yeah. not taking this fatigue yeah you should have you know more and and i i think coming into this tournament alcaraz boy, a week ago before before they played the cincinnati final he was the favorite here in the u.s open i think we might have even talked about it in your show but i we did I can't 100 percent remember we did. We did. um and the thesis was like okay like he's playing too much like Djokovic, if he's a dog in the head, the head is the bet. Like this is this is going to be pretty straightforward. 
I don't think there's any way Djokovic closes the dog in a final against Alcaraz now. Um, not considering what he's going to go through to get there, not considering you know what happened in Cincinnati, and not considering how much more tennis he's played in this hardcore swing. So um, Alcaraz winning this tournament would genuinely surprise me. So have we have we just sort of talked ourselves into a plus? I mean, again, uh, you can't I mean plus one twenty five is not good enough, I guess, on Djokovic to win the tournament, but it ain't terrible. Um, yeah, I, I mean, like we, I, I have to math it out a little bit, I guess, yeah. but, um, but two, there's value in Djokovic in pocket in two ways. One is Alcaraz gets popped, which he could. And one is Djokovic is just going to close like minus 150 against him in the final. And Djokovic will have no tread on the tire and Alcaraz will have tons and, of it. Correct. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Correct. Right. Ergo the minus one fifty. So I, I yeah, I mean, this couldn't have broken better for Djokovic. Could not. It really couldn't. He's got there's a whiffs of there's there's whiffs of uh this is maybe the last one where he beats Salcris. It would also be twenty four for him, which would tie Margaret. <laughs> it would Court. be twenty four, right? Yeah. Right. Right. But yeah, right. I mean he's, he's gotta be thinking that way. Yeah. There's whiffs. Yeah, that, that did have, that Cincinnati final did have a little Thrilla in Manila to it. <laughs> yes, great call. Yeah, yes, which exa- was like, exactly. Ali, exactly. Ali won, but he knew in the corner, this is the end of the greatness. Yes. Yeah. This is it. This was it. And I, I, like, if the draw wasn't the way it was, if it wasn't stacked in his favor, I don't know that I would be saying this with such sincerity, but um, I think he wins this U.S. Open, and I think this... I don't, I'm not saying that this is, this is it. Like he certainly could win Wimbledon next year. He certainly could. He's, he's, you know, we still have no idea if Alcaraz has the goods to win on the speed, the speedy courts in Australia. But, um, yeah, I think, I mean, the, you know, he, the crossover was this year, right? Yeah. Alcaraz on the way up, Djokovic on the way down. Mm-hmm. And what happens next is Alcaraz is minus 200 every time they play, yep. <laughs> you know? Yep. So it's, it's uh this is it though he's got to recognize that too he, I, i'm sure he does though i mean again I, I'll, I'll cite the agassi book again i mean when you read when you read about a guy's career like that where you just when he gives you a window into his mind every not only every tournament but every match where his head was with brooke shields where it was with you know steffi Graf, like all this all the things that are going on in his life and how as a better we would never have had any idea Right, we would never have been able to know the intangibles, but with a guy like Djokovic, you kind of know you're getting it every time. The best there's there's no Djokovic being distracted, right, at this point. So at least we have that going for you. Now your point is still well taken. I mean, Novak Djokovic is, and we'll get the up to the uh, up to the day age right here. He's 36 years old. 36 years old. He turned 36 in May. Who was it? Was it? I can't remember. Forgive me if I don't remember who who said this on Twitter. But um, during that match, he pointed out he goes, "The best tennis players in the world, the, the best two tennis players in the world, are thirty six and 20. <laughs> like that. Think about how that's not right. Yeah, that's yeah, that, something that's not that shouldn't be. Shouldn't that be shouldn't that be. way. Shouldn't be that way. Sports savant, I want to say it was who said that. Yeah, but, that sounds right. Yeah, thirty six and twenty. Yeah. And uh, you know, Federer's gone. <laughs> Nadal's about to be gone. And It'll, you know, only matter of time with Djokovic. We will see, like, in other words, unlike with Iga, where the path cleared for her with, with Ash Barty, and as you said, Naomi Osaka. Naomi Osaka, who won four slams herself. Like, Iga's just tied with Naomi. That's amazing to yeah. think about it that way. Yeah. 
this would be, you know, who would be the one to challenge Alcaraz moving forward? I don't know who I would. Rune, I guess. I want to go with the. Well, yeah, I mean, I think we're 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 expecting that at some point Sinner doesn't mentally Sinner, collapse. Sinner, we're expecting Sinner, at Sinner. at some point Rune gets a little bit more physically robusto. Yeah. Um, and if either of those two things happens, then you got a three-way race like the old big three, which would be exciting. I think that's what men's tennis wants. That's what I want. Yeah. <laughs> Certainly, I would love to have a little rotating rivalry, trying to figure out who's the best on which surface between those guys. That would be awesome. Um, Alcaraz probably is the best of those players, but there may be surface specific ways that other guys can get an edge on. That'd yeah. be awesome. Um, okay. I think, uh, I think the, uh, the, the analog is going back to the women's side is like Osaka took the ground from Serena and that was it. Serena realistically didn't have another shot at a slam in her after that, from what I remember. Yep. And, uh, I think that is you know, we're close to there for this rivalry between Djokovic and Alcaraz. And it's been a really special year of tennis because of the fact that these two have been so like, like objectively close in, in like talent. And it's because of the perfect crossover of, you know, Djokovic coming off peak and Alcaraz approaching and, uh, you know, the leveling factors were just experience and, you know, conditioning. And, uh, you know, I think reflecting on the French Open, I'm glad I was where I was market wise, but um, it was it's even more clear now that that was just a tactical war and the experience should have been the factor that, you know, mattered the most, much more than, you know, ability shot making comfortable, you know, surface, you name it like that was that was just a tactical war. Um, and that same advantage wasn't there at Wimbledon because Djokovic just had, didn't have enough, didn't have enough information on what Alcaraz on grass was and caught him by surprise to a degree. And I think, um, you know, the hard court data that I've got and the feeling that I've got, you know, kind of handicapping these players says Djokovic wins this head to head. If it gets there in a, let's pretend. All of this, you know, this fanfare about how, how much harder Alcaraz's path is does not materialize. Zverev gets popped. Sinner crashes out to an Alt- Altmaier type of player in round two. And, <laughs> Altmaier. And, uh, yeah. and, you know, some, some, you know, somebody that's, that's true surprise wins Q2. And, and Alcaraz's path is just as clean as Djokovic's. In that neutral handicap i still think i'm lay the price with djokovic because for whatever reason alcaraz does not he's he's a little bit too aggressive still in terms of trying to force a point trying to like trying to end a point and you can't play that way against djokovic and he needs to learn that the hard way and cincinnati was probably part one and i feel like a u.s open final is probably part two um, and maybe it gets, he finally gets solved by the time we get to Australia. Um, or maybe it's next to us open. I don't know. It could be longer, I guess, but, um, to a degree trying to play that way against Djokovic is asking for trouble. It's interesting. Um, and Alcaraz plays that way against everybody too. Like, I don't think it's an accident that he's going like three sets against Max Purcell. Yeah. I don't think it's an accident that he's like losing to, you know, Hubert, Hubert or catch. Right. Like this is, a, this is a great point. Drew. <laughs> 
this is this is again i i didn't expect to talk about this three different times but brad gilbert's biggest advice to andre agassi as his coach which led him one could argue brad gilbert was with him for seven out of his eight slams was andre you don't have to be perfect on every point let your opponent lose the point and this was his biggest revelation like agassi's mind was blown by this because up until that point in his life no one had ever said that to him before and there's a little bit of that with Alcaraz. You're right. Yeah, yeah. A little but, bit of that. And like, and actually, I may be reaching here. We may be too far down Narrative Street, but uh, it felt like he could have maybe reinforced that lesson the wrong way with Wimbledon. Mm. You know, like he won. He won that Wimbledon match because he was making shots that we haven't seen a tennis player make in right as long as I can remember, and. He did a little bit of that in Cincinnati too, but he had to really, really, really work hard to make those shots. Yeah, and it's tough. It's a tough way to live. Uh, it's a tough way to be. You're gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna induce a physical strain. You know, uh, you know, strenuous physical demands like that are uh, tough in a five-hour match, and that's probably what we're looking at. Um, so I think, to a degree, the inexperience that he will bring into this current head-to-head, even if it is neutral in every other way, I think I would still lay the price with Djokovic in the final. Um, and I think market-wide, I don't see any... Like, I don't see, like, a, a set of circumstances where the market makers all of a sudden flip and say, no, no, Alcaraz needs to be the favorite in this U.S. Open final, right? Djokovic, I, I think... I, unless he's literally limping in off of an injury, I think Djokovic goes off minus 150. Which, again, short of having done the math here on a match-by-match basis and hypothetical lines, plus 125 would be a nice thing to have in pocket. Yeah, way. right, right. Yeah. Because the other universe where it's Djokovic against uh, right. Demon now. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, yeah. Sitter? I mean, you know, the other universe where Alcaraz gets popped, uh, you know, Djokovic is like minus five hundred. Yeah. Uh, the last thing I was I was at the uh, I was at sportsbook at, at uh, Aria the other day, and somebody asked me, they're like, oh, you know, because they they listen to the show, they're like, oh, you know, you know, we know you're ahead of the curve on Iga, you're ahead of the curve on Alcaraz. Is there someone out there like that now? And I said to them, I go, well, you know, the reason that it was more about Iga than Alcaraz is because with the big three, it was harder to project Alcaraz like when that would be that he would overcome this. And now we're here, and those guys, two of the three, are retiring at least. Uh, if Nadal, in fact, you know, goes through with that here within a year, which he will. And the the answer that I came up with, I was like, the, the difference is, is that in those days, you know, you knew that those three guys were getting older. And in the on the women's side, there wasn't that much top heaviness where you're like, okay, she can't overcome this. Now it's sort of like, you know, the, the closest comp I could come to was Mira Andreva, right? Where someone who's not really known, because the Runes of the world are known. So Mira Andreva was sure. the closest, but I'm like, sure. yeah, but still, like you said, like all the, mainly the stats we have are on ITF and Challenger, right? They're not. Yeah, it's really, not, really tough to parse that. Yeah, they're not main draw stats. So it's like, I don't know, we, I mean, this could be the state of tennis with this kind of top heaviness of these two, Ego on one side, Carlos Alcaraz on the other, for a decade. I don't know. Might be. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think, uh, if you kind of build out a probability distribution, that's got to be at least 20%. That's a lot. Yeah. It's a lot. So 
just in review, we both like uh, Vondrasova. You like her into the finals. I like her to win the quarter as well. Uh, like you, I you like uh, stage of elimination for Sabalenka, and I think we both agree about how the Djokovic draw is just a beautiful, beautiful thing. Have you had any chance to look at first round matches, by the way? Or were the, in, I don't think the prices are even out yet, are they? Let me see. Uh, I'm just they may looking. have come out in the last hour or two. I have not broken nope. them down yet. I have not. Uh, I'm looking right now, and at least uh, in certain faraway places, they don't exist. I'll tell you what, though. Yeah. I'm going to get boots on the ground, round one and round two. Oh, really? Oh, yeah, buddy. Oh, wow. Yeah, Hold on. We're, this get, is... we're getting... We're getting boots on the ground. We're gonna get some some inside inside intel. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, heading heading to uh, New York on uh, Sunday. Good for you. I am uh, th- meaning Sunday, meaning the day after tomorrow, or the day or three days Sunday. Day after tomorrow. Day okay. After tomorrow. I'm, gonna, I'm gonna catch the the madness of a million rounds. So I am <laughs> I am trying to do the first weekend. So nice. Yeah, nice. next week. But I have not nice. got confirmation of that. But that would in, that would entail me leaving after a numbers game Friday, showing up for night yeah. matches, spending all day Saturday there, early Sunday, and then yeah. bouncing, which I which I would you know, love. You know how I know tennis is in a really good place that we're willing to do um, that. No, it's like the hottest ticket since Taylor Swift came to town. Like really? it's 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 crazy, crazy, crazy. What the ticket prices are like right now I, for the good stuff. True, I told you when I went I'm to in, when I went to Indian Wells, which you said you go, no one goes to that tournament. I was like, usually not, dude. <laughs> yeah, it was packed, packed, and this is it is not an easy place to get to, and it no. was packed. Netflix impact, Netflix effect. Is that what's going? On? What 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 in the what's happening here? I don't. Oh, you know what it is? It's the Megapod. We're getting people. We're getting people fired up for tennis. That's what it is, Drew. It's the Megapod. It's exactly what's doing it. I honestly think it was because. Wait a minute. I can go in California desert and like watch the Egas and the and the Carlitos of the world up close. And but my God, count me in. I do think there's also still, even at that point, I said there was still a post-pandemic thing where people wanted to get out of the house. I think we're past oh, that no now. Doubt. But I think. But you're you're probably right about the U.S. Open. Like that is going to be mayhem. It's a hot ticket, man. Yeah. Where do you stay, yeah. by the way? I won't. You don't have to give an exact location because I don't want people stalking you. But like, where you in the city? Uh, I have uh, accommodations via NBC. Via what? <laughs> I'm via, not sure. Via NBC. Via NBC. Oh, beautiful. I, I, I don't. I don't know where. I don't oh, know are, where you go, are you go? Are you go? Are you so? Are you going on behalf of NBC to go? <laughs> no, no, we're oh. doing like uh, we're doing a talent summit uh, at HQ in, in Stanford, and then I'm gonna head over to uh, roll, head over to uh, Fletcher Meadows in the, in the evening. Both days. Have a great trip. I'll I'll try to tag yeah. team at the end. I'll, I'll tag team. I'll come in when you're leaving. That'll be awesome, dude. Thank Love you it. so much. Let me just say this also to people. Uh, Drew Dinsick, for those who uh, listen to this podcast and, and listen to a numbers game, Drew does everything that we ever ask him to do like it i cannot tell you how appreciative i am for how accessible you are after all this time i want you to know how much i appreciate that man and these obviously when it comes to tennis it's sort of a labor of love for you and me like this we love sure. this so much that we're, we're kind of willing to talk about this whenever by the way forgive me i like interrupted you five times at the beginning because i'm so excited to talk about it but, <laughs> oh, no, but i just want to tell i just want everybody to listen to know <laughs> how awesome you are and just being accessible because a lot of people quite frankly um how can i put this they don't really get how this works and um maybe maybe people who really have more reason to show up than you do 
have an excuse why they don't. So I just want to say I, I love that about you, and I always appreciate it. I want you to know how much I appreciate it. How about that? Oh, oh of course. It's, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's a karmic, uh, it's a karmic uh, endeavor on, on top of a labor of love. Uh, and, uh, you know, the more people we get into the sport of tennis and the, from a betting standpoint, um, the more we grow the interest in the sport and the handle, it's, I think it helps us all. So may you have a profitable U S open, man. You as well. Thank let's put you. A, let's put a bow on this season. Let's do it. And uh, safe travels to New York, man. Have a great time. <laughs> all right. Hey, take care guys. Drew Dinsing, everybody at whale underscore capper. Again, the uh, podcast, the deep dive with Andy Molitor and of course, NBC sports. Bet the edge. Good luck with all your tennis bets for this next couple weeks of the U.S. Open. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to More Than a Movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.